Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation at Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. We continue our catechesis today in the book of 2 Samuel, now in the second half of chapter 7. Um, now David giving thanks to God for all the promises that God made, which of course is um, our life together as Christians, part of what we do. Uh, it's actually the gr- one of the groundings and centers of our faith is that we repeat to God back to him the promises he's made, not only um, because he loves to hear them, but also because he's promised that that's the means by which uh, faith is increased and strengthened. All right, repeating God's word back to him, also known as catechesis. To that point, um, well, that's what we do here. We repeat God's words to him. That's what we do in all of our liturgies in the church. And uh, to that point, I just posted an, a little article for you uh, on our website. It'll be it's shared on the social platforms as well. And you'll get it in an email if you're subscribed to our email list um, called Catechesis and Confirmation, Defining Terms. Defining Terms. I realized on Sunday... Uh, we had a little bit of a um, conflict, I suppose, really just a misunderstanding about what is meant by confirmation, what is meant by catechesis, what's meant by confirmation class. Um, and the terms haven't been really well defined. Uh, and they've not always been used as precisely as maybe they should have been. So that article will help you um, better understand uh, what I mean by catechesis and then also what it, we mean by the catechism. Uh, what is a catechumen and a catechist, right? And then finally, um, where does confirmation fit into that? Or what is, what is the role of confirmation? Um, which is actually probably the least important, well, no, not probably, it is the least important aspect of the, of the whole schema, right? Confirmation not being given in God's word, uh, but um, at least the practice of catechesis by a catechumen uh, or by a catechist to a catechumen, the father to his children, uh, the pastor to his congregation. Um, and I would even argue the catechism itself um, is a reflection as, in much the same way as the creeds are uh, of what uh, St. Paul says to have a pattern of sound words, to follow a pattern of sound words. That would be, um, what, First Timothy 4, maybe? So um, that... Uh, those are given in God's word, whereas the right of confirmation is just by human right. It doesn't mean it's not useful, um, but it is not given by God's word. And so um, it's actually kind of the least important aspect of it. So you'll you'll understand, I think, better if you read the article, really what we're about here with the Congregation of Prayer each day, um, also in the school each day, um, and how that is actually fulfilling um, both our duty and responsibility as parents and children um, and teachers better. Um, than the historic practice of maybe going to an intensive class for a couple years. And uh, that's not to, to demean those classes. Those are also helpful. But uh, they're not, in my experience, nearly as effective as actually following God's word and having God's word upon our lips and in our heart um, each day in prayer and in meditation. So there you go. Maybe now you'll better understand, uh, hopefully. And if you have questions, of course, um, always just reach out to me directly. I'm an open book. I've got an open phone line, usually. And uh, you can reach me either by email or whatnot. Okay. Hopefully that's helpful for you. And uh, I note, too, that we have Wednesday service this evening uh, at 7 p.m. That will be uh, recognizing St. Matthew, Apostle and Evangelist. Uh, and the 
installation companies here to install um, the hardware. Our new sound equipment and uh, streaming camera and all this sort of things. Um, get that all set up. I don't know. I don't think it'll be done until sometime tomorrow. So uh, we may not be streaming this evening. You may have to uh, make plans to get here in person if you want to hear that message. Maybe I'll record it on my phone uh, so you can listen to it as a podcast. All right. With that, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. Let's say our memory verse for today. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. Say it again. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. Uh, what, a lovely, uh, what a lovely confession from St. Paul, right? While we were still sinners, before we could do anything, what are we but dead, <laughs> lifeless um, sinners, right? Apart from the life-giving one, Jesus, right? And while we were yet sinners, Jesus came to us and died for us to forgive us. Beautiful. All right, let's pray our psalm for this week, Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is a continuation from St. Paul's letter to Timothy. Actually, this is the conclusion of his letter. Now, chapter 4, verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescians for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Antichius I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
greet Prisca and Arprissa and Aquila and the household of Menesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and Trophimus I have left in Melita sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. All right, it's Prissa and Aquila. I think it's Priscilla, probably. Uh, but Onesiphorus, you know, from Paul's letter, um, Philemon, right? Where he, he writes to Onesiphorus uh, about the slave Philemon, right? Or to the, actually to the slave, uh, about living in that household, right? And brings reconciliation between the slave and his owner. In the gospel. Excellent. All right, now our reading for catechesis is from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, O Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name, and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land, before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations, and their gods? For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. There ends the reading. All right, what's David doing um, in these verses, in the reading today? I think yesterday God made promises to David. What's he doing here? He's praying. Uh, by praying, we actually might say confessing the faith. All, right? All prayer is grounded in God's word if it's going to be prayed confidently. Right? So here he's confessing what God has already spoken to him. Uh, we, see, we actually have other prayers from David, many of them actually. Uh, those are in the book of the Psalms. That's right. Those are prayers too. I'm um, set to music typically. What was David confessing in his question here in verse 8? Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Yeah, this is David confessing his humility, much like he danced before the, the ark. Here he's saying, I'm nothing, right? I'm unworthy of the promises you've made. David uh, marvels over God's deeds in the past, right? Uh, but what is even more amazing? 
not just rejoicing in God's deeds of the past, but look at like verse 25 here. What tense is the verbs in here? You have spoken, will establish it forever, right? Um, so we're talking about future tense here. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Promise. We're talking about the future again. Also verse 29, that you, it may continue before you forever. Again, future. We're talking about the future. This is uh, unique, right? David can speak of the future. Why? As the children um, pointed out this morning, one of them answered, I know the future. What's that? Uh, that I'm going to heaven when I die? Like Precisely. Why? Because God has promised you that, right? So you can speak of the, the future um, that God has promised. Because um, it, it will surely happen. What's so significant about God revealing the future to David, of course? It's not just any future, but it's a future of grace and mercy. And you see that repeatedly throughout this reading. Why did God do this, according to David? Right here in verse 21. For your word's sake, according to your own heart, right? So it's because of who God is and what he has promised, not because of David. How did Israel know that there was no God but the Holy Trinity? Next verse, they have heard it with their own ears. Notice that David doesn't depend upon all the acts of mercy, right, that God has shown them, all the gracious, uh, that would be like pointing, well, you delivered you out of Egypt, well, that's true, and yet look at what happened to the people in the wilderness, despite that. Yeah, they refused to listen, and thus they went into unbelief. Because, of course, as Paul says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. All right. Of course, that's this is still true. We could actually pray this uh, prayer with David. Uh, the promises made to David or the promises fulfilled. Um, it's still being fulfilled um, in and with us. Right. Faith coming by hearing through the preaching of the Blessed Trinity and all the things that He has done and has promised to do. What's the greatest um, marvel that God has done for Israel? Well, there He says You've redeemed them redeemed them for himself um, as one nation too. Note note that it's one nation, not many nations, but one nation, a people on the earth, right? So already looking forward to the unification of Jew and Gentile together into the church. Of course, what does it mean to be redeemed? There you might think of uh, the book of Ruth, right? With the kinsman redeemer, Boaz, who purchases, and if you like, redeems um, Ruth and her household. Right, for himself as a kinsman redeemer, it means to buy back. Right, so God redeems you, um, your people is connected to redeem. God's action of redeeming, so and redemption is through the redeemer. I know that my redeemer lives, Jesus. Right, that he buys us as his own possession. It's not that you're just mere property, right? Um, but there is a price to be paid for those who have forfeited their inheritance and even their very nature as children of God, through sin, right? So they must be redeemed, bought back. What does you think verse 24 here, where you have made your people Israel your very own people, and you, Lord, have become their God, uh, what does that have to do with the Christian life? How has God made you his own people, um, and how have you become the people of God? I'm going to go to a pastoral epistle, one that's uh, 
a full uh, confession of holy baptism. Listen to this. Uh, St. Peter's first letter, chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as living as as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. That's quoting from Isaiah 28. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, and to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected had become the chief cornerstone, which is, of course, Psalm 118, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, which is Isaiah 8, verse 14. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you, all right, to our point, to the reading here, verse 24, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And again, the whole epistle is about baptism. All right? So through baptism, God has made us his own chosen people. Why did David ask God to keep his promise, as you see here in verse 25 and 26? I said this before, this is what we do with prayer. We, we hold God to his promises. Think of the Lord's Prayer, you know? And um, if you didn't know that God had promised you those things, it would sound quite demanding of God, right? Give us this day, deliver us, forgive us, right? But God has promised all of that. So faith rests upon the promises of God. Um, and of course, in our baptism, we daily return to God for his promises. Uh, David actually tells you what causes him to pray in this way. Look at verse 27 and 28. All right. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you, and you, you are God and your words are true and you have promised this goodness to your servant, right? So it's the trustworthiness of God's words that causes David to pray in faith. That's what he acknowledges right here. David never gives a, re- a reason of himself, right, uh, f- for God keeping his promise, right? He doesn't say it's because he's been obedient or something like that, right? And what promise promises cause us to pray? Yeah, Jesus has promised to hear our prayers um, and to answer them, namely with the increase of faith and trust in him. You could see, oh, I don't know, maybe a good example of that is the Sermon on the Mount and the section on prayer there, Matthew 7. Um, Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in, who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Um, I preached on the version from Luke, which was the confirmation verse 
um, here not that long ago for Janice uh, Lippert at her funeral. Uh, so you might go back to that sermon to hear about the life of prayer as well. David's rich life of prayer was a result of faith in the promise. It was not produced by the law. All true prayer flows forth from faith in the gospel. David illustrates the proper life of prayer. In the midst of affliction, he cried out to God, oratio, then meditated on the works of God recorded in God's word, meditatio, comforted by the word of God through the Spirit, um, strength, through which the Spirit strengthens faith, David then faced the life of the cross in affliction, tentatio. Right? So those are Luther's three, um, the threefold way to pray. Oratio, crying out to God, meditatio, upon God's word, and tentatio, in the midst of bearing the cross and suffering and affliction. All right. Pray this, or confess, I should say, the seventh commandment. Say it with me. You shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Eighth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Let's pray the collect for this week. O Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, and that we may continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. On this Wednesday, we pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God, for all parents who must rear their children alone, and for our communities and neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let's see, today the 22nd, we pray uh, for the households of our church, especially for Jerry and Marla, Sean, Jennifer, Isaac, Shirley, and Ron and Janet. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Amanda, Dan, John, and Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken, Kathy, Mike, and Kay. Pray for those homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Mickey. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care. We also pray that the Lord give and increase amongst us chastity. We pray, continue to pray with Bill as he mourns the death of his wife, Janice, and Willis as he also mourns the death of his wife, Janice. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Today is also the commemoration of who? <laughs> I'm trying to get it up on the, the tablet here. All right, there we go. It is commemoration of Jonah, the prophet. A singular prophet among the many in the Old Testament, Jonah, the son of Amittai, was born about an hour's walk from the town of Nazareth. The focus of his prophetic ministry was, to call, was the call to preach at Nineveh, the capital of pagan Assyria. His reluctance to respond and God's insistence that his call be heeded is the story of the book that bears Jonah's name. Although the swallowing and disgorging of Jonah by a great fish is the most remembered detail of his life, it is 
addressed in only three verses of the book. Throughout the book, the important theme is how God deals compassionately with sinners. Jonah's three-day sojourn in the belly of the fish is mentioned by Jesus as a sign of his own death, burial, and resurrection. Matthew 12. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the prophet Jonah, you continued the prophetic pattern of teaching your people the true faith and demonstrating through miracles your presence in creation to heal it of its brokenness. Grant that your church may see in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the final end times prophet, whose teaching and miracles continue in your church through the healing medicine of the gospel and the sacraments. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Good to have you with us here, here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's really uh, the center of our catechetical life together um, as a church, as a congregation here. Uh, I'm glad you can join me live online. Of course, if you're not, you can use the handout that you receive each week, um, the blue one. I don't know if I have one here. I don't have one here to show you. Um, you can use that to pray uh, on your own, of course, and it's what we use to guide our prayers together, our catechetical life here in the school. Um, and then, of course, we supplement that catechesis with Sunday Bible study, uh, after-school catechesis, um, any of the other opportunities we have uh, to study God's Word together, to hear preaching and teaching. All right, but the heart and soul of it, uh, which is a change, <laughs> I acknowledge this, is a change from... Um, maybe the, what people thought of as catechesis, uh, that like two-year kind of intensive, two or three-year intensive, intensive uh, class. Um, no, instead, we actually study God's Word. We have it upon our hearts and upon our lips each and every day um, from when we're born until we die. <laughs> and that's how the Lord um, maintains and preserves us in the faith, right? Um, and we use these other tools um, to supplement that. All right, and again, go read the article. Uh, it was posted on social. You'll see it on our website under news, and you can go read that uh, to have a maybe a little bit better explanation, understanding where, in particular, the rite of confirmation fits within the catechetical life of the church. All right, so Lord be with you all. Uh, keep you safe. I will see you again tomorrow or this evening, even for a divine service. If not, tomorrow. <laughs>